Well, obviously, today is a day that we affectionately call Easter or Resurrection Sunday. And it's the most significant date on our calendar. And we're going to talk about why in a moment. But we have to begin by first reading some verses from the Bible. I'm, I'm looking at Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to read the first 10 verses. You follow along. You can see it on the screen. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is in here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body was lying. And now... Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. As they went, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee, and they will see me there. Now, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about, obviously, the resurrection. It's the, this day when what it symbolizes took place over 2,000 years ago really is the most significant date on our calendar because it represents the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And it's interesting that there are, or there is no other date on our calendar that is more revered than this day. It is the day, as you can see by attendance, that most churches are filled to capacity as people come, feeling drawn to church, feeling, I, I, I need to go on this day. I may not go to church any other day of the year, but on Easter, Resurrection Sunday, I need to go to church. And I want to talk to you this morning briefly about three reasons why Christ's resurrection is so important, so critical for you and I here today. Uh, so let me begin by the first thing. Christ's resurrection, listen, affirms God's acceptance of his sacrifice for our sins. The, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ affirms that God has accepted the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, for your sin and for mine. In 1 Corinthians, look at a verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 13 and 14 with me. The Bible says here, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is what? Useless. Now I'm going to go down to verse 17. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. The Christian faith is built upon the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is no Christianity. It's wonderful that Jesus died on the cross, but without the resurrection, there is no Christianity. There is no relationship with God. Without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we we, we would not have any evidence that God had, in fact, accepted the sacrifice of his son for your sin and my sin. Jesus Christ's resurrection affirms that God has indeed accepted that. And so now uh, the Bible teaches us here, well, if there is no resurrection, as some skeptics will want to teach us and declare, there's impossible, no one can rise from the dead. This is all a hoax, a story. Well, the Apostle Paul said, well, if there is no resurrection, then, then Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead, and that means we're still in our sins because it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ that affirms that God has indeed accepted his sacrifice as the atonement, the paying the price, if you will, for your sin and for my sin. Are you following me here this morning? That's why it's so important that we recognize that throughout history, skeptics have always tried to discredit the resurrection of Christ. Nobody will deny that Jesus was crucified. History acknowledges, yes, he was crucified. There was a man named Jesus that, in fact, Rome did crucify. That's a matter of But now the resurrection... That is something that man throughout history has tried, especially the skeptics, the atheists, have tried to uh, disavow this thing and, and say there's no way this took place. Why? Because the strategy of evil is if we can deny the resurrection, they're still in their sin. You see? Because the resurrection of Christ affirms that God has accepted his sacrifice for your sin and for mine. Now, that leads me right into my second point, and that is this, that the resurrection of Christ, listen, affirms our salvation. Now, this word salvation is important for us to take a, a few moments here to, to examine so that we're all on the same page. I want you to know uh, and understand what I'm talking about when I talk about salvation. Listen, it's twofold. Salvation is the forgiveness of sin that results in a restored relationship with God. Yes. Follow me now. Two things. It is the forgiveness of sin, number one, that results in a restored relationship with God. That's number two. Now, let me spend a few moments breaking this down for us. Let's look at the forgiveness of sin first and see what the Bible says about that and what we need to look at. Through the finished work of Christ, and by the finished work of Christ, I mean the crucifixion on the cross, his sacrifice, and the resurrection. Those two coupled together are what we call the finished work of Christ. Through that, you and I have the ability to have our sins forgiven to have them washed away, as we use the expression, to, uh, to have the record expunged from that so that we are not held guilty or responsible for those sins. That means this, 
you and I need to recognize this morning and be reminded that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary and because of his resurrection, his finished work, we can receive forgiveness of sin. That means that there is nothing that we need to or can add to that to gain forgiveness. In other words, you and I don't need penance in order to gain forgiveness from God. There is nothing that we can add to what Jesus Christ did in order to secure forgiveness from God. It is a fallacy, it is a lie to believe that, or to, uh, for someone to tell us, well, that's not enough what Christ did. You have to do something else in addition to that in order to be forgiven by God for your sins. Because that would say to us that what Jesus Christ did wasn't enough. But the Bible teaches us otherwise. No, our forgiveness comes through the finished work of Jesus Christ. There are no promises you can make God to get forgiveness. Have you ever done that? I've done that. Oh, yeah. As early, especially as a young man, when I was in trouble, you know, get that, that promise goes up quickly. God, if you get me through this, God, I'll never do that again. How many made promises like that? <laughs> Only to get out of it, and then you're back there right next week. Right? But we do that with God thinking, if I make a promise to God, then that's going to get me out of jail. That's my get out of jail card. Uh, God, help me out now, God, and I'll be better. I'll, I won't do that again, or, or I'll, I'm going to change, God. There's no promises that you and I can make that will ever buy us forgiveness with God for our sins. Jesus Christ died on the cross and the Bible teaches us there's a, a phrase we use in Christianity that sometimes is foreign to a lot of people, and understandably so. It talks about his poured out his blood. His blood was spilled, a, a sacrifice. There has to be blood spilled for the sacrifice. And so Jesus sacrificed his life. His blood was spilled so that you and I can receive forgiveness of sin. And by the way, you know what that also means? Religion can't buy you forgiveness. Oh, yeah. Some of us think, well, if I'm just a part of a certain religion, you know, then, then I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the man upstairs. God hates religion. Listen to me now. Religion is man-made, not God-made. God wants you and I to understand there is nothing that you need to do or can do to earn forgiveness. Listen. You can come to this church un until you breathe your last. That will not gain you forgiveness from God, especially in this church. There are a bunch of sinners in this church, <laughs> beginning with the guy who's on the platform. He's probably the biggest of all the sinners, right? But sometimes we think, if I just can go regularly to church, if I can be part of a certain religion, then I'm going to be okay with, with God and all that. Nothing that we could ever do. I can't stress that enough. We don't have to do anything to gain forgiveness for our sins. Jesus did it all on the cross of Calvary. And the resurrection affirms that, that his precious blood still forgives sin today. Come on, you can put your hands together for that. Yeah. But now... It's important that we will go to part B on that because when we talk about 
to be saved. It means I am freed from the guilt of my sin. And so we need to recognize that's what salvation means. But we can't leave out the second part about that. And that is that we are forgiven from our sins, and that should lead into a restored relationship with God. Look at Romans chapter 5. The Bible says this in uh, verse 10. For since our friendship with God, that's the relationship, was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ has made us friends with God. I'm going to read one more verse from Corinthians chapter 5. Listen to this uh, verse 19. Second, I got the right one. Oh, I'm in 1 Corinthians. I need to get the second. Uh, let's pause a minute there. Look to your neighbor and tell him, I hope he got his act together. <laughs> Here it is. I found it. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So notice, Jesus Christ came and ultimately suffered on the cross, then was buried, and on the third day, the day that this day represents, he rose from the dead that affirmed that God had accepted the sacrifice of his son for all of our sins. But salvation is so much more than having our sins forgiven. We need to understand the very purpose, the ultimate purpose for which God forgives sin is so that we can have a restored relationship with God because God is a holy God. So, and you and I, we were all born sinners. There's no one in this room, no one watching on this. None of us were born an angel. I don't care what your mom said. In, in mom's eyes, everybody's a little angel. But how many know, pretty soon, those horns start coming out pretty quickly. We're, and what we mean by that is this. Because of our sinful nature, we are born apart from our relationship with God. We we're born separated from God, alienated from God because God's holy, so God can't have a relationship with sin. That separation, by the way, is what we all sense where as we begin to grow and mature, there is something inside, an inner emptiness, if you will, that we all witness, that we all bear witness to the fact that Something is missing from my life. 
And oftentimes, we begin this journey in life thinking, well, maybe this will satisfy me. And we think it might be relationships. And then we discover, as wonderful as relationships are, there's still something missing. And so we think, well, this world tells us that you got to have this and you got to have that. And it deals with the, the collection of possessions or money. And so we pursue that thinking that's going to satisfy. And all of a sudden, we get some uh, uh, get to a place where we accumulate some stuff and we realize, man, I'm still not there. I'm still empty inside. And we think, I just need more of that. In my past history, I discovered drugs. And I thought, well, maybe drugs, yeah, they, they make me happy for a season. But how many, I, I've been in that place where I was doing drugs and right in the middle of my high, all of a sudden, I still felt empty. And I realized, I thought, Carlos, you're just not high enough. You got to do more drugs. But no matter how many, how much of drugs that I took, it couldn't fill this void that I had inside. And that's because that void is called your spirit. And your spirit was created by God for God. And since we're born absent in a relationship with God, that spirit of ours is empty. And there's nothing that this world has to offer that can fill our spirit because it was created by God only for God. And so, so now, through Christ, our relationship, our sins have been forgiven, but now we find we can restore our relationship with God. God can become our friend again. Think, think about it. Almighty God wanting to be our friend. That speaks of something that scares a lot of us, especially men. Men are scared of the word intimacy, right? Wives or women, they love intimacy. Let's talk. Let, 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 let's get intimate. You talk to a guy, let's get intimate. I'm out of here. Let's look at the football game or something. I don't care if the Bears are losing. I don't care if they're one in 12. I, I, I'd rather have that than to have intimacy. I know, I, I know. I can't help myself. I told you I was the most sinful person here. I told you that. But intimacy, this word shouldn't really scare. What it's talking about is that as scary as it may sound is that God wants to talk to us. And God wants us to talk to him. That's why Jesus suffered and died so that our sins would be forgiven. That's why he was resurrected on the third day for God to affirm, I've forgiven you through his sacrifice. But it, you got to remember, it's so that I can restore my relationship with you. Because now, since I put your sin away, now I that though I'm holy, now I can have a relationship with you. Are you following what I'm talking about? Now, it's important that we understand this. Forgiveness of sin, listen now, is useless if it doesn't lead to a restored relationship with God. Let me say that one more time. Forgiveness of sin is useless if it doesn't result or lead to a, re a restored relationship with God. I would even go to say this. Many, if I was to take a poll of everybody in this room, I would venture to say most of us, if not all of us, would say, I believe that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. 
Yeah, I believe in that. Wonderful. But if you believe that and you don't have a restored relationship with God, your belief is useless. It's worthless. It doesn't mean anything. It's just another fact that you have in your brain to say, okay, yeah, I believe that. But see, it's all about recognizing Jesus Christ died and was resurrected on the third day so that our sins could be dealt with so that we can have that relationship with God. But if we don't have that restored relationship with God, then what we believe is worthless. You, it doesn't amount to anything. It's just a, much, a bunch of information and facts, you see. Salvation means forgiveness of sin so that we can have a restored relationship with God. So let me just recap real quickly about Christ's resurrection. Number one, it affirms God's acceptance of his sacrifice for our sins. Number two, it affirms our salvation, which is the forgiveness of sin and restore relationship with God. And here's number three. Here's my third point. It affirms God's power to restore life. God's power to restore life. In the book of Ephesians, listen to a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed over the church, which also, by the way, means it's a prayer that it's, he's praying for all God's people. Verse 19, I, believe, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. The Apostle Paul prayed that the church, that we, you and I, would have an understanding. Now, he's not just talking about a mental understanding. He's talking about having a spiritual understanding, that there would be a, a word that we like to use in Christianity called revelation, which is all of a sudden the light bulb going on, but it's not, again, just a mental thing. It's, it's a real fact, a truth that comes all of a sudden into your heart that spiritually awakens. And Paul said, I pray that you would have that kind of experience when it comes to God's resurrection power, the same power that raised his son from the dead. In other words, Paul prayed that you and I would understand that the same power that restored Jesus' life can restore our life as well. God's resurrection power has still effective today, he can restore wayward life. Let me, talk, let me explain what I mean by wayward. There was a point in my life where, as a young Christian, I made a very terrible decision. I got disillusioned with church, and I made the decision that I would not return back to church, ever. And for a couple of years, I did not. It was a bad decision on my part. And the issue was, after several years, someone invite, told my wife uh, about a church that they were excited about and loved to attend, and uh, they said, I think it would be great for you guys to attend. My wife asked me about it. My initial response was, I did not want to go. But I went because the truth of the matter is 
I realized something had begun to transpire in my life. Was I praying still? Yes, I was praying. I was still reading my Bible at home. But there is something about being in God's house with God's people. There is a, a blessing that you cannot duplicate anywhere else. You can't duplicate it being at home. That's why even with all due respect to those that are watching on the internet, unless you're sick in your body and you can't come out, you, don't, you just don't get the same experience watching the service online as you do being here, right? So we went. And uh, during the beginning of the service, they call the worship service, as you saw this morning, where we are singing songs and there's praising going to God, something happened in my life. I began to cry. And I began to cry because I looked all around me and I could just sense that these people were genuinely in love with God. They were praising God from their hearts. And I remember that I used to do that. And I didn't do that anymore. And I stood there respectfully and tears began to come. And I said, in my heart, I began to talk to God and say, God, I'm in a bad place because I made a bad decision. And my heart is cold towards you. It's not the way it used to be. And I asked God to forgive me and asked him to restore me. And I thank God that he heard my cry as he hears everyone's cry who is genuine. And God restored what I had lost because of a bad decision. See, you might be here today and say, man, I can remember when I was in church. I can remember when I used to be more active. And I don't know, somewhere along the way, whether it's a bad decision on my part or life, I don't know what happened, but it's just not the same. See, God's resurrection power can restore your life today. It doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how long you've been away. In fact, I would tell you, Think about what in Jesus Christ was three days in the grave, and they thought, surely it, it's a done deal. Sometimes we think, no, it's hopeless. It's, I'm too far gone. There is no such a thing in God's kingdom. Amen. Because his resurrection power can bring to life anything that has died, yes. you see. In, in fact, listen, his resurrection power can restore life to any dead relationship. There might be marriages that are here uh, that you, you, your marriage, truthfully speaking, is on the rocks. And in fact, if you were transparent, you would say, my marriage is dead. The incredible thing about God is nothing is ever dead until God says it's dead. You might say it's dead, but God can still bring resurrection life into it. He can still restore life. God can restore marriages. God can restore broken relationships between siblings or people. You know, God can do some amazing things in restoring life if only we would just go to him and ask him for that, you see. There is no marriage that God can't restore. No relationship that God can't restore. There's no circumstance in your life that God can't restore. Bring the dead back to life. The question is, do you truly understand? 
See, that's why Paul prayed. He said, my prayer is that you really understand, that you really get it up here, uh, more than just brain, but up here and here, both of these places, your heart, where you recognize, man, he's God Almighty. And he is the author of life. And he can restore life in any dead circumstance, in any dead situation. And if you understand that, then the question will be, do you want that? You see, you can leave this place today still in your grave, or you can leave this place with a resurrected life, with a restored life, you see. Because Christ's resurrection, worship team, if you would come, number one, it affirms that God has accepted the sacrifice of his son for your sins and for mine. Number two, that it affirms our salvation, that we can have not just the forgiveness of sin, but a restored relationship with God. And number three, that it affirms that his power to restore life is still flowing today in the lives of people. As God restored my life many years ago in my spiritual journey, he's restoring lives today still. He's restoring marriages that were on the path to divorce and rekindling and restoring life and bringing fresh love into it. I'm going to ask you to stand in this moment. I'm going to close with a final verse, then we're going to sing and end up praying. Listen to this last verse in the book of Philippians, chapter 3, verse 10. This was the heart of the Apostle Paul, praying for himself. And I, I, it's my prayer for today, and I, I, I hope that it will become your prayer. Paul said, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. That was Paul's cry. I want to experience that kind of power, that resurrection power, that power that has the ability to restore life. I want to experience that power. I pray we'll wind up being your prayer today in a few moments as we prepare to close. Pastor Jason, would you lead us?